After last night, how are you holding up? I'm doing great. You know, before we start, you know, I know that Mikey Anderson said something to you about me not driving to Anaheim for the uh, final regular season game, and I, and I went at him uh, about that. So uh, he, he appreciated that. And uh, I, I said, John, I said, there, there's a show about that that we could produce, Carpool Karaoke with Gavrikov, Mikey, and me. I'll sit in the back, Mikey can drive, and Gav can, can comment, and we can sing tunes and everything like that. So, yeah, But 84 is not getting in the car with 44. That's, that's so the I problem, your show's, exactly. Your show's dead on arrival. <laughs> yeah, for those that don't know the joke, uh, the final game of the season in Anaheim, and uh, Dennis was not there, and uh, which is a bummer because we were going to do a live podcast with Hammer yeah. if he was there. But uh, couldn't drive past the brewery, couldn't get down there nope. for the final game. And after uh, after everybody left the room that night, um, I'm in the hallway. Mikey walks by <laughs> and he says something to the effect of, you know, where's DB? He couldn't make the drive down. So, of course, I immediately texted you. And we got a good we got a good chuckle out of yeah. that. And and your reply was great to me, which is, oh, wait till Saturday. So, yeah, I knew you had one waiting for him uh, at come practice. Yeah, for sure. That was good to know. Yeah. Your reputation precedes you, DB. No, certainly, but uh, uh, we're going to do a. Yeah, it's the playoffs, John. Oh my God, please! It is the playoffs, and we have a lot to get to today, Dennis. We're going to try to do a mini pod just to catch everybody up. But before we do, I think we have to go back to Game One in the final minute of Game One with the Kings trailing three-two. Andre Kopitar goes to work, and so does Nick Nixon. Let's take a listen. Clear held in Dowdy across right circle, shot taken, and it's wide of the net. Shot uh, from Deneau. Now Arvidsson for Doughty to Arvidsson. Left circle, moving down low, feeds it across. Shot, score! Kopitar tips it in! The shot from the right circle was deflected. Skinner got a piece of it. It was loose, and Kopitar knocks it home. With 16.7 seconds left in regulation, the Kings' third goal of the period has tied the game at three. So, DB, tie game, 3-3. Three, three. <laughs> Go ahead. Did you see it coming? Did you know that it was going to happen in the final minute? Did you actually believe? Did you believe at that moment or in the in, – in, when they went on the power play after going, what, I think 0 for yeah. 4 on the power play, did you think this is the moment it's going to happen? They're going to tie the no, game. No, 
because me, like the rest of the media, were in the press room downstairs. So we had left, and and yeah. then the puck goes over the line. I'm like, well, I'm going back upstairs. So actually, me and Zach Dooley were the only guys to go back upstairs and watch overtime. But um, look, John, with what, 40-something seconds to go, they ice the puck, and they have to put Corpus Allo back in net. And, yeah. And they find a way to – and hey, I'm sure Victor Arvidsson's pass, that sauce across ice to, to – to uh, filter no to get the puck at the cage and get back in the net. No, I, I didn't. I didn't think so. I, I thought it was a really heroic effort. I thought they were going to come up short, but this sport, man, it's just unbelievable. But it, John, you know, like you were in Anaheim, like the difference between that game and and this game, like it just is. I love this sport, and that was just an epic contest last night. But John, same script as last year. After game one, it wasn't so good in games two and three, but that was an incredible game. And Kopitar, four points. They held Connor McDavid off the board, although Leon was fantastic last night. Um, just to, uh, Here's the thing. These teams have played 12 times since game one of last season. Kings have won six. The Oilers have won six. This is going to be a long, drawn-out series, but a great, heroic win last night for the Kings. All right, so hold your thought there, DB. You're one step ahead of me. We still have okay. more from Nick Nixon here. We have one more clip. So then you go to overtime, 919, number 19 goes to work. Nick Nixon back on the mic. Let's take a listen. Behind the net, Arvidsson on it. For Kobitar, left wing boards to Arvidsson behind the net. In overtime on a power play to Kobitar. To Doughty in the middle. To Kopitar, left circle of the goal line. Arvidsson centers. Score! Alex Ayafalo wins it in overtime. It's a power play goal. Great, quick puck movement by the Kings. They worked it down low. A touch pass by Arvidsson to Ayafalo in front. Who buries it? A game where they trailed 2 to nothing and 3-1. to one. They rally to win it in overtime. A power play goal at 9:19 by Alex Iafalo. His first career playoff overtime goal. The Kings take game one, four to three. So there you go. There's the game winner, Alex Iafalo. I will tell you something funny also, DB. Prior to the game, sometime I will ask uh, the kids who is going to score the first goal in the game. Sure. And uh, my youngest, before the game, said Alex Iafalo is going to score a goal. So all game long, I was waiting for Alex Iafalo. He never came through. And it's funny because last year, my youngest almost always answered Dustin Brown, who was, gonna, <laughs> was going to score the goal. That was his favorite player. That's the jersey he wore. And uh, if it wasn't Dustin Brown, he would usually say Drew Doughty. So he totally threw me for a loop last night when he said Alex Iafalo. Um, but I love getting the opinions from the kids because they're yeah. they're they're usually based on th- other factors that, other than what you and I would use right. to to select right? other imperial uh, analysis exactly yes, sure yes it's yes uh, non statistical <laughs> yes. um, no analytics involved least, I was just getting ready to say the least analytics uh, justified answer but hey nonetheless. Uh, I had texted that to Spike before the game, and so, of course, my phone was blowing up after the game last night. So uh, congratulations to number 19 and to the LA Kings. What a fantastic win. It takes me back to 1991, Dennis. Six-game mm-hmm. series with the Oilers, four going to overtime, two to double overtime. I've referenced that series many, many times. Sure. Uh, I've also referenced that series for a negative reason, and that is Craig Muni and oh, um, his dirty tactics. And I have to tell you, D.B., I'm not whining about the refs. We're going to get into that a little bit later on. But Darnell Nurse, to me, I said it on this show about a year ago. To me, he is one of the dirtiest players in the game. 
I just don't like the way he plays hockey, Dennis. Yeah, there was a missed call on, I think it was either Drew, I think it was Drew, or I, I followed that. They hit. Yeah, and yep. look, you can claim at the end of the first. Yep, you complain about the referees all you want. That was a trip. It's just, and oh, you'll love this, John. I was on TSN radio yesterday pregame. And I didn't make – it's not a mistake, John, but I went on air and said, oh, by the way, Mikey Anderson didn't slew foot Leon Dreisaitl last season. Like, and you should see – and there's a text line that people text in. That guy must have Velcro on his skates if he even has skates. Get him off the air. He's no good. I'm like, okay, bro. So, yeah. The referees didn't win the game, lose the game. It's, it's Look, here's the thing. I, I just don't think the Oilers can win games 3-1. They're just not good enough defensively, and I think that goaltender showed that he's not, you know, Vasilevsky or Shostakin at this point in time. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, they're look. The, the Oilers tried to run them out of the building in, in the first period. They were physical. They were the better team, but you know the, the Kings hang around and they they found their feet. They found their skates. Uh, their one three one started to work more effectively. And I mentioned Connor McDavid not scoring a point uh, went a long way to get to that win last night. Yeah, I, and I want to make that point too. It's not a complaint about the referees. I think that there were there were calls that went both ways last night. Yeah. The game was officiated. It was balanced. That's what you could say. It was if you fair. Didn't like it one way, it was fair, right? It went both ways. But dry side, not dry side. Excuse me. Darnell Nurse to me is just one of the dirtiest players. And if he continues at this rate, he's eventually going to earn the Craig Muni Trophy uh, <laughs> as really the dirtiest player in the game. He's just. I mean, I think about the headbutt last year, and it still sits yeah, with yeah. me. Yeah, I know it does. If yeah. spitting on another player, if spitting on another player is worth three games, and I understand the three to one ratio that a three game suspension in the regular season is typically yeah. going to get you a one game sure. suspension uh, in the playoffs, right? But if spitting on somebody is three games, headbutting has to be. I don't know, 10 games and that blatant headbutt on Phil Deneau last year. It's so dirty. It's so disrespectful. And it's not what this game is. It's a beautiful game. It's a fantastic game. Yep. And to me, there's just no room for that. I've, I love physical play. I wish there was more fighting. Mm-hmm. I, that, that's all great. But just the, the, the cheap shots, I can't stand that, Dennis. It's just so, so disrespectful and ruins our beautiful game. Agreed. Okay, uh, real quickly, we're going to get into the L.A. Kings a little bit later. We have a lot to cover with the Kings coming out of game one, going into game two. Of course, the big news being that Gabe Velarde is going to play on game two. So he has his cape on. He's ready to <laughs> ride into the rescue. I'm assuming he'll be on the third line opposite Ayafalo uh, uh, and Lazat, so we can get into that. But I do want to mention very quickly because we'll get caught up and we'll forget it. Uh, sure. If you're following the Ontario Reign, they are playing. If you listened last episode, they're playing a three-game series. It's on the road. So, Dennis, the AHL playoffs are a little bit goofy. They're going to be five rounds this year. This first <laughs> round is kind of like a play-in round. So wow. it's three games on the road. The, the Reign are playing in Colorado. They're playing Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, two of three. If they can somehow take two out of those three games, then they will come home for a second-round series, which will be a best of five, and they would get home games there. So, We'll focus on that later. There's plenty to cover here. One other quick note related to Southern California, the Anaheim Ducks turf their coach. No big surprise there. We all but predicted that coming into the season, Dennis, the Dallas Eakins was probably not going to make it past this, uh, this season. Ownership wanted to stabilize things behind the bench mm-hmm. in this first year, kind of a transition year. Now Verbeek has an opportunity to go out and hire the head coach that he wants and wanted to just ask you, DB, any thoughts at all? I haven't heard a single thing about the direction of where the Ducks might go for a coach. Any insight yet? No, none at all. That, that's a great point. And, and not for nothing, 
Verbeek did an availability at the end of the season, I think last week, with uh, with some reporters like Lisa Dillman and, and Eric Stevens. And, and, and Lisa asked him, like, how would you grade yourself? And, like, Verbeek took, like, offense to it. But, you know, he traded Hampus Lindholm, and Hampus might win a cup. And Raquel, he traded Raquel, and, like, he's on the first line with Sidney Crosby. And he traded Josh Manson. Josh Manson won a cup, might win a second cup. So um, there's a lot of work to do. But I have not heard anything about a, a coach. But, you know, they're they're in a tough spot that that franchise. They're they're and I know that you think that in the coming years it's going to be kings and ducks. It's, it's going to be a nuclear war. But uh, there's a lot of work to do from the Anaheim side before we get to that point. There certainly is. However, uh, I don't think that Verbeek's fingerprints are all over the organization yet. He had to clear some of that yeah. cap space out and some of those veterans out because they had to turn this roster over. They had to let the prospects catch up, which they're slowly doing. And as mm-hmm. Mason McTavish, who I'm a, you know, a big fan oh, yeah. of, I've mentioned many times, you I do. think he's the future superstar. I love the way he plays. That's a power forward type kid. Mason McTavish is going to be a big part of, of the Anaheim Ducks going forward. And uh, Dennis, if they happen to land Connor Bedard, mm. which they're going to have the best opportunity at doing that. And Bedard with McTavish, there was obviously chemistry there with Team Canada at the World Juniors. So sure. the Ducks' future, regardless of who their head coach is, could become a lot brighter should they win yeah. the uh, draft lottery, which is coming up at the beginning of May. So we can save that again for a future uh, podcast. Uh, always just want to give a quick shout out to Mike Stuthers as we talk of about course, the Anaheim Ducks. Course. It looks like, at least at this point, that the assistant coaches are going to be retained. Um, and, you know, that's good. And uh, we uh, we do hope that Stutz is, uh, is doing well. Uh, I did talk to him the other day, and he was his typical, <laughs> I'll say, jovial self. <laughs> right. uh, so, you know, all the best to Stutz. Uh, one of my favorite people in the entire game of hockey. So, um, we'll make sure to send him a nice pair of Crocs over the summer that, that I'm sure he'll need. Now let's quickly, before we get back to the, to the Kings, uh, Dennis, let's go through and do our picks because in the last episode, we talked hypotheticals. If yeah. certain series were going to be played out at that point in time. Now we sure. know obviously what's going to happen in every series or at least who the two teams are. So we'll just quickly blow through it in the Eastern conference. Toronto is taking on Tampa. Uh, excuse me. Let's start with the Boston series. Uh, we have uh, the Boston Bruins, uh, are, are taking on the Florida Panthers, who, if I remember correctly, were your preseason prediction to win the cup. Is that right? No, no. Was I, that last year? That was last year. I picked the uh, Carolina. I picked the Carolina Hurricanes this year to win the cup. You're right. You did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right when I said it, I realized that I was saying something wrong. So yeah. your previous a year ago, but yeah. uh, uh, this is what's shaping up this year. You took the Bruins in five. I took the Bruins in four. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a lot to talk about in that series. Anything you want to add? No, when Alex Line gives up that bad second goal, you go, okay, series over. They might get a game, the Panthers, but that's about it, and Bruins will go on. I agree. Okay. Well, I hope they get the sweep because I took them in four. So (laughs) in the next series, you had Tampa Bay taking on Toronto. It's probably the series that everybody is watching in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Mm -hmm. Unless you live in the New York tri-state area, then you're watching the Devils and the Rangers. But I think most most hockey fans are probably most interested in the Tampa-Toronto series. You took... Uh, Tampa, excuse me, you took Toronto in Mm -hmm. six and uh, I took Tampa in seven. So why is, why, why do you think that the Leafs are going to get over the hump this year? I I, look, they're a really good team. Uh, Tampa, you know, the theory, John, is they're late in the weeds. They don't care about the regular season. If you watch them play, they haven't played well down the stretch. They've played a lot of hockey in the last four seasons. And what's going to come back to bite them. Remember in the off season, they had to trade Ryan McDonough. For, because of cap reasons to get the other guys under the cap. 
They're going to miss him, his shot blocking, his defensive ability. I think that's – so for the first time since 2004, I think the Leafs are going to break the string and, and actually win around. Okay. Well, I, I'll say that goaltending is going to end up being the difference yeah, in that series. Sure. And I also think Cooch is going to have a big series. I think it will go deep. Like I said, I think it's a seven-game series. Uh, but I, I do like the lightning coming out. Wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't bet you more than a Starbucks uh, that, that that's going to happen for the reasons sure. that you mentioned. There's there's a lot there's a lot on the line there for Tampa after, you know, they are a dynasty. They are, you know, the best team of the last decade. Uh, yeah. Okay, New York Islanders versus the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, Carolina, as you mentioned earlier, it was your pick coming into the year to win the cup. You took the Islanders in yeah. six. I took Carolina in six. So we think it's going the same number of games, but we're on opposite ends of the uh, the winning team here. So what happened to your Carolina Hurricanes, and why are you now all in on the Islanders? Because Barzell came back, and I thought that him adding to the offense would get them up. And I love Carolina, but, John, if they're going to score two goals every game, they're not going to win the Stanley Cup. But against the Islanders, it was good enough last night. It's just that Shvechnikov getting hurt, his ACL tear, and then Patch is going down with the Kellys. Look, could they win the, the, the series? Absolutely. Is your pick legit? Of course it is. But I think at some point their lack of offense is really going to hurt them. I thought it might be in this first round, but after game one, look, here's the one thing. If you bet, like you got to bet every game under the goal total. Like I, I don't think the over-unders in some of these <laughs> games might be four and a half or four goals, John, because that went right to script last night. Carolina doesn't give up much on, on defense. The Islanders don't score much. So uh, a predictable 2-1 win in game one. But I still think the, the Islanders have a legit shot because they play the same style that the Carolina Hurricanes do. Yeah, so that is the series that most people are probably the most split on for yeah. any of the reasons that you mentioned there. Agreed. And then what I would call the sexy series, and I never thought I would use the word sexy in the New Jersey Devils <laughs> in, in the same sentence, um, but the Rangers and the Devils, what a sexy series this is. Uh, you went with the Rangers in seven. I went mm-hmm. with the Rangers in seven. So we both are, are uh, we're seeing this series size up the same way. What I found interesting is that Nearly everybody on the TFP panel, by the way, you can go to the fourthperiod.com and you can see all of our predictions and picks. Uh, the fourth period was and near uh, yeah, everybody took yeah. seven game series. Yep. So so everybody's either hoping, <laughs> hoping for a long series or actually thinking this is going to be a long series. But that's going to be a good one. Yeah, and look, I remember 1994 when they went seven games and it was double overtime and Stefan Mateau scored that goal. I think you'd have the same script, John. I think it just goes seven games. I think it'd go double overtime. There's not much to separate these teams, but you have the Rangers' veteran presence against the speed and youth of the Devils. It's a great matchup. The teams are in proximity to each other. It's going to be, I hope, a classic series, but I'm on board with you. I think seven games. You can flip a coin. I like the Rangers because they're experienced, but could the Devils emerge as well? They could. Yeah, uh, same thing, goaltending. I like the goaltending in that one yeah, as well. So, sure. Okay, the Kraken uh, versus the Colorado Avalanche. We've talked about it many times on this program. This is not your grandfather or your daddy's avalanche from last season. Uh, everybody across the board, on the, pa- on, across the, board yeah. on the panel went with the Avalanche, though. Nobody's, nobody's in on the Kraken outside of people uh, there in Seattle. You took the Avalanche in five. I took the Avalanche in six. Yeah. Not much to say here. Uh, again, goaltending, I think that's probably the difference of why most people aren't buying in on the Kraken, would you say? Yeah, I, here's the thing with Colorado, John. Like, Rantanen has been great. He's their MVP. He scored over 50 goals. Gabe Landeskog hasn't been there all year. McKinnon, had he played all 82 games, John, he would have been the second-leading scorer in the league. But here's the deal with Colorado. If Camel Carr doesn't play, they don't win the Cup. 
It's as simple as that. He's. I, I watched them play twice live in the last couple of weeks. They're a different team without Kale. They're not as dynamic. They're not as dangerous. He has to play, and he's going to play. He's healthy right now. If he's not healthy for the entire cup run, they won't win. Uh, certainly enough to get by Seattle. And look, it's a successful season for Seattle. Second year, make the playoffs. Um, they'll be pesky, John, right? But are they going to beat Colorado even without McCarr? No, nah, no chance, but a, a good season for Seattle. Yeah, I think that um, Seattle was right there with New Jersey as uh, like among the all-time the rates of uh, yeah. a point improvement. Yeah, for, from the previous year. By the way, uh, don't sleep on my boy Evan Rodriguez there in that series as well. Yep. All right, Minnesota Wild versus the Dallas Stars. Uh, boy, this is another sexy series in the West, the three versus the two seed. You went with the Dallas Stars in six games. You liked Odinger as the MVP. Mm-hmm. I took Dallas in six as well, but I had – what I would call the more obvious pick of Jason Robertson sure. is the MVP. Um, yeah. Only more obvious just, just because of the hype and attention that he gets. But n- no matter what, uh, everybody outside of Tab, our old buddy from Chicago, yeah. took Dallas. There's, I think, 12 people on the panel now. It seems to be growing every year. I remember when it was just, <laughs> I think, four of us. Now there's 12 right. people. The TFP Mafia is growing by the day. It might be 20 people by the second round. You never know. Tab took the wild in seven, and he took Ryan Hartman as the series no. MVP, Dennis. He's off to a great start. Yeah, and he tripped us on Twitter about it, John, for sure. So he's always going to let you know when he makes a pick like that. Oh. Here's the thing. Kaprizov came back, first game, first goal, and then the hit by Dumba on Pavelski. That's a huge loss. That's a concussion. How long is Joe going to be out? That that could stem the tide for, for the Wild. There wasn't much to separate these two teams without Pavelski out there. Um, it, it may be a Wild series right now. Dennis, do you think that was a dirty hit or a late hit? No. No, I think I think it was unfortunate. Yeah, I didn't either. I, it- yeah. Yeah, it was yes, unfortunate that he got hurt, but no, I think he was. I, I, I don't think it was the principal uh, point of contact. I think it hit his shoulder and then his head, and then his head bounced on the ice, and so that added to it as well. I did not think that was uh, a dirty hit. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I when I think of other hits, I you know that doesn't sort of elevate up to the top of the list of oh my god, that was you know completely ridiculous. Right. Uh, very unfortunate though. Totally agree. And it's it is gonna potentially have an impact on the Dallas Stars. Okay. Winnipeg Jets versus Vegas. Uh maybe we should have talked uh to Ken up there with the Sinbin to get his take on this. But uh Bernstein took oh, that's you. Uh that's me. That's me Bernstein. Vegas that's in five. Yeah that is you. That is still you. Yes. I'm looking through the names. Um Vegas in five. I took Vegas in five. I went with uh, my old buddy Shea Theodore as the MVP. Uh, you had somebody different. But the bottom line is, it sounds like both you and I think that Vegas is going to roll big in this series. Yeah, you know, for all the great things that Edmonton did down the stretch, John, 9-0-1, they didn't win the division. You know why? Because Vegas was mentally tough. They refused to lose. Butch Cassidy's done a great job in, in Vegas. Uh, we'll see how that Jack Eichel, and it's the first playoff game ever for Jack Eichel. But they should win. Like Vegas, the only shot they have, John, is if Hellebuck stands on his head. Like the only way that like they're they're big on the blue line, uh, uh, Vegas, and I guess it's going to be Bursois. And that's John. Here's the thing: great statistic. Sixteen teams in the playoffs. Eleven of the sixteen teams in the playoffs have goaltenders with nine games or less playoff experience. And we'll see if Bursois is going to be the guy. But yeah, this should be relatively easy for Vegas. Yeah, you mentioned two of my three X factors in that series. 
Uh, obviously, Hellebuck would have to be one of them. Then you also have uh, um, have Jack Eichel, who I think is under yeah. tremendous pressure, and Agreed. we'll have to see how he handles that pressure. And yep. then also Shifley, and they've moved him around at yep. different times there in the Winnipeg lineup, and it's worked. Yep. And I'm very curious to see because to me, he is one of the more underrated players in the league. I think he makes an impact on the game. And uh, it, it, this, it, if if Shifley goes Shifley, yeah. that, that could be a really positive thing for the Winnipeg Jets. He can carry a series for a team, I believe. So. Yeah. Yeah, he okay. did that Let's in the playoffs a couple Kings. seasons ago. Uh, exactly. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. He, he did well, it a couple TV, seasons ago. I've been ago. waiting for the Jets to go on a deep playoff run forever. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. Uh, okay. Let's get it out there, Dennis. Let's let's get let's get your Twitter uh, feed activated. You took the Oilers in six. <laughs> I took the Kings in seven. Here's what I would like to do. We don't even have to talk about the specifics of the picks. Let's go to the tape. Let's, uh, this is, this is last night. We talked earlier about Alex Iafalo, overtime goal. They win. All hell breaks loose. They're throwing stuff on the ice and everything, right? Twitter goes crazy. Um, but here, this is audio from the Edmonton Oilers post game show. And this is the message that they had to the Oilers fans calling into the post game show last night. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 4-3, the Kings take it. Well, I'm with you on the penalties. I mean, LA's power play goes two for six. The Oilers go one for three. So the percentage is the same. I know the Oilers was with a, a two-man advantage. Uh, I, I'm going to give everybody a heads up calling in tonight. If you complain about the refs, we are going to hang up on you. Uh, I mean, you can you can bitch until you're blue in the face about a couple of calls. Well, first of all, the Bouchard call is no doubt. Cross-checked a guy in the face. Yep. And DeHarnay did triple. He, did. I mean, he didn't trip on the broken stick. He was already on the way down. And yeah, sure, you can you can find other things even in overtime that maybe could have been called on Los Angeles. They weren't. The, the, the DeHarnay play was the penalty. He was a beaten player flailing with his stick. So if, as you always say, Rob, if McDavid had sped past a guy yeah. and a beaten player threw his stick back in hope and clipped his skate, you'd, you'd want it to be called. Well, they, they actually made a call similar to that earlier in the game. McDavid beat Dowdy. Uh, at the, the in his own zone, and Doughty knew he was beaten. He gave him just a little tug. wasn't much, but it was a little tug that slowed him down. Uh, that was one where if you're an Oiler fan, you're mad that they called the penalty, but if they don't, the L.A. King bench would have went crazy because it's like, hey, you, it's right in front of you. So uh, it, it was a tough night for a couple of uh, younger or, or, or less experienced defensemen taking penalties at critical times. Guys and gals, I mean it. If you complain about the refs, you are done, okay? We can be more mature than that. This is a good Oilers team that should be good enough to win games regardless of the quality of the officiating. 
Okay, I'm not messing around. We're not going to stay up till 1 or 2 in the morning listening to people be crybabies about refs. Okay? All right, so DB, there you go. Uh, don't call in and don't complain about the referees. I mean, that's 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 a pretty clear message that was sent to the fans. Kudos to the Oilers hosts there. You know what they're saying? Don't be a donkey. And and here's what happened in Edmonton last night, John. So so I, I did pregame with Tom Gazzola on TSN Radio Edmonton, right? And so I and I'd mentioned about you know the, the slew food, and and then I I text him after the game, and go, how's the text line? Because players, he goes, okay, so the refs suck. Uh, Bouchard sucks. Your boy uh, Nurse sucks, and then they started fighting each other in that in the Canadian brew house just n- next to the uh, Rogers place. So the fans were fighting each other. They were so dismayed about that that game one loss. But uh, look, here's the thing: on the play with DRNA got the penalty. If um, Lazat beat him. It was going to be a two-on-one. He reached out. He fell, and and then what happened with Lazat is you could see the replay. The stick hit. Lazat skates. He got off balance, and then he stepped on the broken stick, and he fell. He might have fell anyway, but that that was a clear-cut penalty. And, John, what do we say about penalties? You have an option. Kill the penalty. And they didn't kill a penalty in regulation, and they didn't kill a penalty in overtime the Oilers. So if you're mad at somebody, be mad at the Oilers' penalty kill. Not at the referees, not at the Kings, not at anybody else. They failed in a big spot twice, and they went up on the losing end of the game. All right, to keep the program moving along here, Dennis, I want to go to Twitter and I want you to answer a question that I put out there because one of the things that was commented on last night is the underrated play of Phil Deneau. Obviously, last night, Arvidsson, you mentioned earlier, fantastic game from him. Kevin Fiala, we debated on the last program if he's the MVP. I'd like to throw Jim Hiller into the mix here because what he's done for this LA Kings power play to turn the power play around from where it was last year to where it is this year, right? Uh, So you have... I asked this question, best recent acquisition by the LA Kings. Now, you only get four spots in a Twitter poll. You can add Victor Arvidsson to this if you want a fifth one. But I have Phil Deneau, Kevin Fiala, Gavrikov, and Jim Hiller. (laughs) If you only could pick one, and those are four solid additions, Dennis. If you could only pick one, who do you think is the best recent acquisition by the Kings? Well, if recent means last night. Um, it's a tie between no, Jim Hill. No, doesn't mean last night. Okay. No, well, I'm going I'm to no, give, no, no, no. give me some latitude here, John. Like, if Leeson's because I'll give you the okay, reasons all why. Right, all right. Okay. If I told okay. you last night, before last night, one team would score two power play goals when a game won, and one team would score one power play goal, you would not say the Kings. So there's a little for Jim Hiller. But I will also say this. Third period, early third period, two-on-one. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl coming down. Gavrikov sprawls, knocks the puck away from uh, Leon. They go the other way, and Kempe scores the first goal. He has been a fantastic add, Gavrikov, um, for this team. So based on last night, look, it would be Kevin Fiala, but Kevin's not here. He's not going to play, and and I, I don't think he will. But the power play has won them games, has won them games. It's top five power play, but Gavrikov has been superb last night. And you mentioned to, to know their main reason uh, Connor didn't score last night was Phil was checking him. You know, it's going to be uh, Andre against Leon, and Leon had a great game. And, you know, the great thing about Andre is after that third goal where he was kind of standing around Kopi, it didn't let him phase him. He went back in, scored a tying goal, played a, a, a huge part in his victory. So, um I think it's a, a four-way tie, John. So I'll, I'll I'll weasel my way out of that vote. What's what your vote? <laughs> you definitely weaseled your way out, and uh, we can add Ardvins into the mix, and you're going to make it sure. a five-way tie. Five-way tie, because exactly. let me tell you, 
Victor Ardvidsson might have played his best game as an LA King last night. And I know there's some recency bias there. So sure, of maybe we'd have to go back into the, the, the tape logs and find out a better game. But he was a shot blocking master last night. He was yeah. a, a playmaking master. He just yep. was involved at, in all 200 feet of the game last night. And so I can't say enough good things about Victor Ardvidsson. But, you know, I just keep circling back to Phil Deneau. And this is not meant to take any of the shine off of Kevin Fiala. He was fantastic this year and exactly what the L.A. Kings needed. And if you want to hear our thoughts on Kevin Fiala, just go back and listen to the last podcast because we talked him up uh, a lot. It was the Kevin Fiala show, even though Kevin Fiala wasn't a guest on the program. But I think lost in the hype of Kevin Fiala this year and all the talk that was well-deserved was Phil Deneau. Because I I remember the question I asked him at the end of last year about regression, and he talked about progression. Mm -hmm. He ended up putting up his best season, most points in his career, um, and you just saw defensively how important he was to the LA Kings in that game one against the Oilers. So, you know, even with recency bias, as well as looking at the body of work, I'm kind of with you, Dennis. It's so hard to split that atom and say, yeah. is it Dano? Is it Fiala? Is it Jim Hiller? I mean, I don't think we talk enough about Jim Hiller and what a difference no. he's made. This power play was beyond dismal last yeah, season. And this power play in L.A. has not been exciting for a couple of years. Jim Hiller turned it around in a matter of one season. This was a top three, top five power play all mm-hmm. year long. Simply fantastic major kudos to Jim Hiller. And then you talk about Gavrikov, small body of work, Dennis, but he's been impressive from day one. And I've talked about that, that speed getting from one into the other. You talked about that sprawl and him doing it. And Mikey Anderson was on the program and he talked about how well he's fit in, uh, you know, to the, uh, uh, to the team. Just, mm-hmm. I, I think Gavrikov is a major addition to the LA Kings and he's exactly what they needed. And hopefully they'll be able to sign him in the off season DB. Yeah, and he has that long – what did I talk about needing saws on defense and the long reach to break up passes? You saw that. That was a microcosm. That play told you why they needed that player. So I want to go back to Arvidsson for a second. I talked – you know, we talked to Todd today before after practice was over. And I think what's undersold about Arvidsson is his – like you mentioned, when he came here, John, what did you think of? Like a goal scorer, a shooter, the guy has got a great shot. His playmaking ability is is excellent. He really – he's a playmaker. His His passing might be as good as his shot. Like that, that back, that pass to to Dano, as I mentioned, to set up the uh, the tying goal, and then the the game winner. The, the, the pass for the game winner wasn't that Jimmy Fox said he can make that pass. I'm like, nah, maybe in your playing days, not not right now. <laughs> but um, I, I think his playmaking ability is undersold, uh, Victor Arvidsson, and he practices and he preps for this game, and it's just, it's uh, it's it's great to see. But uh, yeah, and John, the power play saved the game. And won the game for them last night, without question. You can't argue that. Yeah, and you know, coming into this series, Dennis, all the talk was about how the LA Kings went out and picked up a goaltender. They went out and picked up a big defenseman. And the fact that Drew Doughty didn't play in the series last year. I didn't hear a lot of people talking about Victor Arvidsson. Let's not forget that RV was out of the series last year. So this is a big addition, along with those other additions. This is yet another change from what the LA Kings were last year. Now, we don't want to end on a sour note. Let's try to end on a positive note. However, I think we do have to address the elephant in the room, which is what you said at the top of the program. Game one last year, Kings-Oilers, the Kings win that game, and then they really were a non-factor in game two and game three. Each game is its own individual game. What happened last year has no bearing on the series this year. 
it is just worth pointing out the importance of winning game two. It's easy to say, well, hey, get the split and come home mm-hmm, even sure. and then take your chances from there over the next five games. That's true. However, this is a lethal Edmonton Oilers team Agreed. and the Kings need to play more like they did in the second and third period and they can't play like they did in the first period. And here's the last thing that I want to get your take on, DB, before we wrap up today's program. Gabe Velarde, he's riding back in. He's going to be part of the team mm-hmm. now. He's expected to play in game two. So the third line is pretty much set. It's going to, I mean, yeah. short of... Todd going crazy. The third line is going to be Alex Iafalo on the left side, Lazat in the center, Gabe Velarde on the right-hand side. Now you wonder about what's going on on the fourth line. You have Grundstrom, you have Rasmus Kapari, but then what you also have is you have what's going on on the right wing because you could have Kaliev, you could have uh, McEwen, and you could also have uh, Jared Anderson Dolan. Yeah. Now, I would, you and I were having some private text messages yesterday about do you put McEwen back in the lineup? I was a little bit surprised that he wasn't in there for game one, just as a deterrent against Kane, yeah. against Nurse, against the way they play. And now that you're putting Velarde back in, could you possibly see McEwen even going back in for game two? I think the most interesting question is what do you do at right wing four? Yep. Um, and you could make the case for any of those three players, quite honestly. You could, but I think you need to score goals against this team still, and and I would go with Kaliev. I think that that would be the logical choice. But I think it was Jim Matheson asked Todd if you know because Todd doesn't like to change his lineup, you know, after a win. So Matheson asked, uh, "Does Gabe even get in the lineup because you don't want to change a winning lineup from from game one?" And so Todd goes, "Well, you know, if he's ready to play, I'll be playing." But um, I, I would I, I, McEwen just doesn't. He's a straight line player against this team. I, I don't think. And you're right, John. John here's what's going to happen last night. They're going to try to run him out of building again. That's what the Oilers are going to try to do in the five first five minutes. Expect a lot of hitting from Edmonton. And if they can stem the tide and not give up an early goal, they're going to have another shot to do it. But you're right. You, you can't you can't be satisfied with a split. Not against this team, John. You're absolutely right because you don't want to repeat what happened last season, like where you went into a deep hole and people were downing you and it wound up going seven. It's going to be a really intriguing game. But here's the thing. If you find a way to get the first goal, that building's going to be quiet. You know, my son-in-law texts me at 3-3. He goes, wow, that building got quiet as a library with the last yeah. minute of the game. I'm like, it sure did. So if you can infuse some doubt. And look, the Oilers have to know that they're not going to walk over this team. It's been it's been 12 games, and there's not much to separate these teams. They're entirely different types of teams. But I think the first five to seven minutes, if they can stem the tide and go scoreless, or even find a way to get a goal, it, it stands really uh, it stands very well for them. I wasn't flabbergasted, but I was at least mildly surprised that Edler was back in on the third pair. I, I understand how much Todd likes his yeah. vets, but do you think there's an opportunity that we'd see a third pairing of Dursey and Walker uh, in game two compared to Edler and Dursey? John, not only that he was in, John, he played 18 minutes last night, and I know it was overtime. That's a lot of minutes for that guy. So I, I might I, – I, I would be tempted to go with Walker uh, to save Edler for later in the season. That's a lot because we were talking. I was talking with Foxy at practice today. I'm like, yeah, you know, he played, he played, he played well. Like, look, he's not fast. I get it, he's got limitations. And then we looked at the time and I said, like, 18 minutes. That's prob John. That's probably the most he played all season, like, or, or in a very long time. I, I would go with Walker um, and then save Edler for probably game three at home. What about you? Two more quick things on that. One would be. Um, well, you know how much Todd loves it when we question his lineup decisions and usage <laughs> of players. Uh, Edler and Dursey being out there together on the five-on-three, I mean, I'm more worried yeah. about that than I would be about the 18 minutes. Uh, that was a very questionable choice. I don't understand why 84-3 uh, and three weren't out yeah. there on the five-on-three. So that was 
Well, it hurts when Drew and Anderson in the box, John. Well, it, it does. I mean, I understand. That's fine. But, but um, you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, you know, uh, and then the other thing I would just say about that is I think part of it has to do with usage. You know, Walker can play over on the left, but he predominantly has played over yeah, on the right. right. I don't even remember yeah. a game where he played on the left. If he did, it wasn't more than a game or two this year. Yeah, early in the season. Exactly. Yeah. So, so the real issue there is that I think Dursey's better on the right side. And mm. one of the reasons that you play Edler is so that you can yeah. put Dursey on the Dursey right on the side. Right. Of course. And so, would you go Dersey Walker by flipping the two, mm-hmm. keeping Dersey mm-hmm. on the right and moving Walker to the left? It's kind of like pick your poison, the lesser of the two evils, right? Or would Agreed. you rather put Walker back in and then let Dersey slide over to the left? So a little, little interesting, you know, subplots to the larger plots. Obviously, Dennis, for the Kings to have a chance in game two, as you said, they need to withstand the physicality. The goaltending still needs to be there. They're going to have to win the special teams battle. Yep. And the big boys have to be the big boys. Kopitar yep. and Dino are going to have to do what they've done. And then you, if you get some playmaking from a Gabe or you get some or some scoring, I should say, from Gabe and, and, and Kempe, and, and you get some playmaking from maybe a guy like Ardvidsson and everybody else does their job, then the Kings, I think, have a chance to win it in game two. And by the way, Dennis, while we're giving out trophies and awards, we can't not give a trophy to Andre Kopitar. Yeah. This guy, you know what? Go back to the last episode where we debated who was the MVP, mm-hmm. right? And we talked mm-hmm. about Kopitar and stuff. It, if there was, if there were any votes that needed to be recast <laughs> on Jay Kopitar last night, he just does what he does. And he just yep. quietly goes about doing his business. And it's so interesting that the two guys that just quietly go about doing their business on this team more than anybody else, Alex Ayafalo and on yep. Kopitar, they were two of the central figures in the scoring last night. And then of course their big offensive weapon in Gabe Velarde, um, you talk about regression versus progression. Mm-hmm. Fantastic to see number nine having, you know, a, 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 not even a breakout season, but to be able to build on last season and to 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 take it to the next level this year. Yeah, you said Velarde. I think you meant Kempe, but um, uh, Kempe. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, he, he's goals, that would be fantastic. Look, they're I targeting him, John. John, they're, they're tar- Edmonton's targeting him without question, and they should be because he's just. He's at some points he's unstoppable. I'm just the, the angles. Like the goalies can't. Again, I was talking to Fox about this. The goalies can't seem to pick up his shot. Like they get fooled on shots. They can't. They can't like just see where it's coming from. He is just an exceptional goal scorer at this point in time and a very dangerous player. That Edmonton. You know, look, we were talking about how the Kings need to defend Connor and Leon. Edmonton's got to defend Adrian Kempe because if they don't, he's going to do the same thing over and over again to him. He's now that good. Yeah, he certainly is. And I think it's another reason why at some point in the series we might see 91 up on that left wing playing alongside 11 and 9. It's just that it adds a little different dimension sure. to that line if they continue to target Kempe. DB, we could talk for hours. It's been a short <laughs> program here. It's uh, Kings of the Podcast mini edition, playoff edition. We'll see how this is uh, received by the listeners. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll come back and we'll do another one. Safe travels. Stay out of the bar fights up there, would you, Dennis? I promise, John. (laughs) All right. We'll be back. We'll talk to everybody else. Enjoy game two.
endless afternoons and warm starlit evenings offer the perfect opportunity to linger longer this summer at Biltmore. Right now, you can save up to 20% on select dates and feel a world away as you immerse yourself in the grace and grandeur of European charm right here, close to home. Plan your stay at Biltmore.com.